What's new listeners, I'm Audra Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to move for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we're diving into Russian Doll, the Netflix two-season series that premiered back in 2019. A good show for people to watch if you're into timecraft, time loops, timey wimey stuff. And returning to the program is my friend Tom, who was already part of the podcast before to cover Meet the Parents. Say hello, Thomas. Tom. Hello, thank you for having me back on the Two Cents Credit. Very much appreciate coming back on here. Yes, yeah, I've, you know, had a fun time talking with you about Meet the Parents, so glad to have you back on. And I should uh, say for any, any listeners that Tom's top four on Letterboxd, top four movies, is Lost Highway, Before Sunrise, Spencer, and Spider-Man, and Team Spider-Verse. Uh, yes, um, I was much thinking about rewatching Lost Highway the other night because it's just such a trip and such a uh, vibe of a movie. And I think we'll get into that with our discussion today. Yes, we will. <laughs> and also, I should mention that this is the first episode of the new year I've got that scheduled for this. But funnily enough, we're also recording this before the year wraps up, as in the year of 2023. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's just funny there, before the year wraps up, then releasing this at the, at the start of the new year. A little bit of a wrap-up, some would say. Yes. Well, I think we should just dive right into Russian Dolls, talking about this, which just was a first-time watch for me, and also a first-time watch for you as well. It, yes, it was. it's always been on my radar or my Netflix list. I, something I that, do. Like, I'll get to that someday. And so this was that someday. Yes. And especially because like, I'm always, like, a, I'm generally a fan of time loops. So that definitely draws me in. And also, like, are there any, like, Natasha Leon. Are there any time loop movies that you enjoy? Oh, uh, Palm Springs, definitely. It's far from my, my favorite choice. And, and uh, oh, Edge of Tomorrow, also a great one. And Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. I've got Tom Cruise and Lloyd Blunt. Yes. Uh, which is funny because I actually just saw, I just saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 earlier today. So that's did you enjoy it? I did, yes. I, I enjoyed it. Another Tom Cruise movie. Too bad though that it is just Part 1. I know. And Party with one. it only being like almost three hours, it's like, could it, should it have been a Part 1? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, I got, so and Hollywood, Hollywood is starting to do this lately. It's a recent trend of part one and part two blockbusters, and it's like, okay, one or two times, fine, but let's not do this too much, you know? We were already doing this for, like, the, for the book adaptations, the Twilight and Harry Potter and Hunger Games. Let's not mm-hmm. fall back into this too much, okay? It's so much. I, I wonder when the the seventh one, right? Or is this the eighth one? Uh, um, when, the ne- when the next one will come out. Oh, the next Mission Impossible movie? I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I feel like it has to be a while. Yeah. You would think. Even Spider-Verse. We gotta wait for the next part. That one's also a cliffhanger ending, so it's like... Yep. Oh, gotta wait for... How's it going? Gotta wait for so. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so excited for it. Me too, me too. Let's see. Oh! Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Dead Reckoning Part 2, it currently has a release date of May 23rd, 2025. That's not too far away. I was expecting like 2026 or something. Yeah, yeah that's not too far away. Unless something happens to ship dates, which 
Hopefully it doesn't happen, but oh, we'll see. Oh, Groundhog Day. I should mention that. Just because like, oh, I like I... my favorite time loop movie. I prefer other time loop movies over that just because I like how like Palm Springs and Edge of Tomorrow, they take the formula and refine it. But I appreciate mm. Groundhog Day being the, the one. Like this is the big mainstream movie that did whip out this formula, the time loop formula. I don't want to say it set the standard, but it might have, you know. I feel like it would be appropriate to say that. Ground. Yeah, I laid out the groundwork yeah. for it. So, yes, time loops. And and I should also say, Natasha Leone, also a big part of the show, should always, like, kept my eyes towards it because earlier I did, earlier this year, I watched Poker Face, which I had a blast with. Oh, and, gotcha. Yeah, and that was just really fun watching her and that. And even though, but I'm a cheerleader, which I also saw for the first time earlier this year during Pride Month. And, and she was also fantastic in that. In general, like, she, she's a strong lead. She really has a, like, just great charisma. And I love, like, a hus- mm-hmm. husky voice. Was she also in Orange is the New Black? Uh, was she? I believe so. Um, I mean, it's been years since I watched that. Oh! I believe she was in that. Yep. Yep, yep, she was. She was. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, she's... Whenever you see her in something, it's so hard. What's the right word? It's so hard. Like, she's very mem- memorable in what she's saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's such a character. <gasps> oh, well, that's... Talk about Russian Doll, which I should say was created by the trio of Natasha Leone, Leslie Headland, and Amy Poehler. Now, when I saw that Amy Poehler was one of the you know creators, I was like, "Whoa!" I know, interesting. I know, right? So, yeah, yeah. It kind of threw me for a curveball, but yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'm into it." Yes, and and book fans will be interested to know that Leslie Headland, she's currently set to direct. The Netflix film adaptation of The Seventh Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is something that I'm very much interested in as someone who has read the book and enjoyed it. And maybe you maybe you've seen me talk about it, Tom, and in our Discord server. I've talked about the book a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, Russian doll, let's get into our general thoughts and feelings on this show. So, Tom, what do you think? Just, again, general thoughts and feelings, not spoilery, of course. I generally enjoyed it. It was, I think it was the perfect length because I felt like if it went on for eight or nine episodes in a season, it would have been a little bit too much. Um, but I enjoyed what it was because in season one, it was like 22 minute episodes. Then in season three or season two, it was 30 minute episodes. And so you were in, you were out and it didn't stay too long, but I did feel like it was like, okay. We, we've gotten the point that it's like, you know, a time, a time loop, you know, situation. And then in season two, it's a year in the past situation. So even even for season one, though, it was like eight episodes. It was eight episodes for season one. So mm-hmm. for season two, it was cut down to seven episodes. So one episode. But still had like a little bit of a longer runtime, yes, yes, I noticed. Yes. I would recommend it, but I did, wouldn't say that I loved it. Mm. Are there any criticisms that you're able to point out now? Again, with non-spoilers. I know that it was both Natasha Leone and Alan's show because I-, I just wish we got more Alan in the show. I feel like in season one, they introduced the whole mom issue thing halfway through it and tried to cram that in and it felt a bit forced or uh, came out of left field, I felt like. And obviously the character that Natasha Leone plays is very broken very flawed and everything and so oh, yeah. you know it's nice leading to up get... 
a messy life. Mm-hmm. Very much, but it's good to learn, you know, a little bit about her backstory and everything, but I wish we got more hints of that throughout in the first few episodes of the show. Mm, I see, I see. A little bit more either foreshadowing about her, and Alan was introduced maybe episode four or something. Like, I wish we saw him a little bit earlier. I get that. So. I, I get that. What about you? What did you think about it? I enjoyed this, this show quite a bit. I think that okay. time loop, time loop stuff, as I said before, always draws me in. And so mm-hmm. I just really had a fun time with how this show was doing that, you know, in the first season. And like the first season doesn't do, it's not like doing anything particularly groundbreaking with, with the time loop formula. So it does put its own little twists and turns on it here and there. But not anything like overly groundbreaking, but still quite fun. And that's a, a large part of that is due to both the writing for Nadia, for the main character, Nadia, and, and the way that Natasha Leone plays her. Just someone who is so, like, again, like I said before, leading a messy life and she's endearing and she's dealing with all this crap with, with her mom and she's trying to figure out her life. And then, and then we also bring Alan into the picture, and I really enjoy him as well. And Charlie Barnett is the one, is the actor who plays him. He was also in season two of You, which I didn't, I didn't even recognize him until I was looking up the credits. And then I was like, oh, he, he was also in You on Netflix. And did you enjoy that? Because I've yet to watch that. That's another show that's sitting on my list where it's like, I'll get to you, that one day. You, you is really good. I really enjoyed that. I, I love that show. I got so good. Okay. Then that'll raise up on my to-watch list. Yeah, then definitely, it's like oh, the twists and turns of that show too. Uh, Joe Goldberg yeah. being such a, a stalkery murderer. <laughs> uh, is it? Is there one more season of that? Yes, one more season of that, and then it'll be over. Which is like ah, uh, the ride mm. will be coming to an end. No. Oh. Yeah. That's gonna be such an interesting thing to watch because it's like Joe is like Joe has pulled so much shit on that show, and I'm just hoping season five is like I want him to get his his justice, his karma. <laughs> so, so you want him to to get his his due? Yep, basically. Yep, yep. yep. Oh, okay, interesting. It's an interesting way to root for it. His just desserts. His just desserts. Ah, oh, but yes, yes. So Russian doll of. Alan really enjoyed him as character and the dynamic between Alan and and Nadia. Just being able to get to know the other characters as well. And the first season, when the first season ends, it really was like leaving me feeling satisfied, left me feeling moved. Season two, also, I really enjoyed season two as well. Season two does some interesting stuff, some interesting timey wimey stuff. And I won't go into detail about what that is won't go into detail about that, but I really had a blast with that too. I do think season two definitely is a little, it does feel it's kind of messy at times. It's not like as tight as it could be when it's trying to tackle so much material, spread itself a little too thin, but it does it so mm-hmm. ambitiously with so much charm that I'm I'm able to be more forgiving towards those flaws. And it, and season two has some really touching moments as well, like season one. Once it reaches that ending, I'm feeling like this is a conclusion not only to season two, but also just the series as a whole. Yeah, I feel like with season two, it was 
a little bit more difficult to understand at certain moments, but certain moments. Um, but I'm like, wait, so this is happening because of that? Wait, how is the time stuff working here? I kind of just just have to go along with the flow. At certain points, it's like let let it unfold. Yeah, usually I'm pretty good at understanding like time scenario and time loop movies and stuff like that. But this was just it, it, it was tough to figure out. So. Yeah. Again, specifically for season two, I'm saying like season one is significantly more straightforward. I'd say compared to season two. Season two is again where it, was, where it gets more more complicated. But again, I still really enjoyed it enough that I might actually prefer season two over season one, which is pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Oh, also the music. I got to give a shout out to the music the soundtrack mm-hmm. for the show, and that was also adding its own elements to the vibe and even like the set design too like specifically like Maxine's apartments yeah very beautiful stuff especially like most of the show I felt like was set at night or dusk or something and so it was a very beautiful of a show to like just take in like the lighting and everything that they were displaying yeah just like locations and particularly New York City where mm-hmm. many of these events are set in so it's like really just showing you the world and showing these locations Wow, I feel like we've been offering quite a few general thoughts and feelings on Russian Dolls, so we can now go into our wind-up scores. This is the part where we each give a score that ranges from 0 to 100 to express our thoughts and feelings on the, on the media. So, Tom, what is your wind-up score on Russian Dolls? I would give it a 75. Mm, 75. Um, your size. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would recommend it but i wouldn't glowingly like be like you have to watch this i think it's a good time but with its 22 to 30 minute runtime each episode and they're only being 15 it's an easy way to just burn through it yeah yeah definitely this is definitely one of the more binge board shows i've seen lately just really easy to devour mm-hmm. okay so wind up score for me i'm going with 80 out of 100 okay. yeah, which i i enjoyed this so i've got some nitpicks or certain elements so like oh you know again tighten up the writing maybe but overall this was this was a good time i'm glad i finally took a dive into it and i'm excited to break down on this podcast with you yeah i'm excited to know your particular feelings about each season and which one you might enjoy more yes yeah especially but yeah i feel like again season two i just feel like the more the more i think about it and I feel like this will probably stay the same as we talk about it in the breakdown. But I still feel like, yeah, season two, when I think about it, prefer to still higher than season one. So. Well, we've given our wind-up scores for Russian Dolls, so I think it's time for us to go into the, into the series breakdown. So, listeners, if you haven't seen the series yet, then maybe you should pause podcast and go ahead, watch it. It's on Netflix. But... If you have seen the show already, or you haven't, but you're okay with spoilers, then you can stay right here. And... Okay. So, let's just lay out the groundwork just for the show, because basically, Nadia, Nadia Vokov, that is our protagonist. She is a Jewish New Yorker. She's a game developer. And this whole time loop and season one kicks off when she is at a party for her 36th birthday, and is being thrown by her friend Maxine. And Maxine, by the way, is played by Greta Lee, who just nice to see her pop up here after seeing her recently in past lives. 
Mm-hmm. It was a good surprise. I was like, oh my gosh, you were, you know, in this big movie that came out this year. Yes. And also, uh, The Morning Show on Apple TV Plus, she's also on that, which I've only seen season have you, two. Have you seen that? Only season two of The Morning Show. I am interested in checking out maybe other seasons of that show. It's a, it's a very interesting show. Not a good one, I'd say. But it's a very, like, wow, you're doing these things. It's a wild time, The Morning Show. Interesting. It's also on my list of shows I might watch someday. It's it's an intriguing time. An intriguing time. (laughs) But yeah, so season one, so like, what are your thoughts on season one as we're going through the the time loops and she's like celebrating her birthday and then the time loop kicks off and every time she's going back to the bathroom. I thought that this season was very creative compared to, well, they're, they're both creative, but with this season um, showing like how she waits up every single time in the bathroom and you hear that, gotta get up, gotta get up. Like, the little number yeah, that by plays. Harry, by Harry um, Nelson, which, that song, mm-hmm. Gotta Get Up, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's uh, clicked into my brain now as being connected to the show because I, because I hear it so much. So it's like, I can't help. And eventually, because I did bench watch the show, it got a little bit annoying, you know, hearing it for so much, but... I don't know. It's I, a little bit. I can see that. I, I personally, I liked, yeah. I liked it. I liked hearing it. Like it didn't bother me. I feel like it's got the yeah. right tune. It's got the right lyrics. You know, gotta get up. Dun, 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 dun. I guess it's like an alarm clock. It's supposed to be annoying, or like, you know, because you're starting a new day, yep. a new little reset. Yep. But it was very interesting seeing like how she learns like where she is where she is and then like i always love the time loop uh movies and shows where the character learns that they can die over and over and the way that like she does it where like falling into a manhole stuff like that and all this like a car crash or Mm -hmm. the the gas explosion the gas leak and and roost place her therapist roost that was just like multiple deaths yeah it's like a so classic tropes and these time loops. And Nadia, so Nadia herself, what do you think about her characters? This person, this human being, who's trying to figure out her life. She's very expressive, um, like always having that cool makeup on. She tries to be the friend and everything because I feel like, um, or I remember like in the, at one point in the season, she's like, I'm the one that's throwing the party for you. If it wasn't for me, you know, people wouldn't remember or something, or I know that you wouldn't throw a party for yourself or, or something. And so, her character's very caring and everything, and she's just, like, a very nice type of person. Like, I, I, I like the character. It wasn't very annoying, but, like, I think the dynamic with her and her girlfriend were very, it was very, uh, I, I liked it. It was very, uh... Oh, it was, was, right. was Maxine? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the, the dynamic, too. They, they were very funny together. Yeah. It was, it was always funny to, like, oh, so, like, one of the moments, like, there's always, like, over time, you go through these moments over and over again, and so... That happens when Nadia is coming out of the bathroom, and she's always like talking to Maxine, and Maxine is there like she she has like the she has these little these, these joints that she says are laced with cocaine. It's the way that Israelis do it. We hear <laughs> that a lot. And also, I gotta point out how it's funny. It's funny to hear her talk about that and mention Israel. Israelis that way. I, it was just like yeah, considering um, Palestine. Yeah, how the Israelis do it. Yeah, and it's like, ee. Yeah, but that was four years ago. True, so. Yeah, it, it was. It was just like, it was, like, it was just funny. It's like, dude, like, oh, Palestine, the genocide, and then going to this. And they're like, oh. And then we also, like, that's a moment we hear over and over again. 
So it's just funny that like that's our moment to have this over and over again because of lying about it as well he's doing this. Which by the way, I was curious, like wait, uh, is this a real thing? So I googled this and I couldn't find anything about it. So I feel like it was just made out for the show. I feel like it's just like a nice little line yeah. that the show goes with. Yeah. I do feel like that would say say what what happens like in times in the future if Ezio ends up getting abolished as a state. It would be interesting to watch the show and have a reference to Ezio, but then it's like in the future, say like fifty years from now, and it's like, oh, Ezio doesn't even exist as a state anymore. That's kind of funny. That's a very dated reference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, okay, I'm curious. Have you ever tried that? A, a little weed joint that's laced with cocaine? Not the second part of that, but definitely the first part of that okay. question. Okay. I know, I, uh, I know, I never tried it myself, uh, never, never even had weed, but uh, I just never heard of that mm-hmm. mixture before. I mean, I've heard of stuff like that, but nothing strong of what uh, Nadia took. Mm, okay, okay. Nothing that strong. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so, so Nadia, I really enjoyed her character. I feel like she's a, a spiky character, I, I would call her that. So like, out of spikes, you know, she's just trying to resolve her life and she's bumping into people. She has this gutsy attitude, very much a, a spirit, just wanting to pursue her life the way she wants to pursue it. She's, she's just, like, in her own lane. She's just doing her own thing. Which is a, a, a nice contrast. It's a nice contrast to Alan. Because I feel like Alan is so much more strict about things. You know, he's very anal-retentive. And so there are mm-hmm. differing attitudes. Although, it's funny because I feel like they're both kind of characters who are both very going in their own lanes like that. But the way they do it is quite different. Again, him being anal-retentive, being very like tidy, organized. Everything has to be set down properly. Kind of like me, that's why I feel like Alan, between the two... Who did, I, who did I relate to more personally? It was, it was Alan. And then Nadia is the one just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing whatever I want. Free spirit here. And that's what I liked about the two of them is like their dynamic was so different between the two characters that whenever they like would talk or try to figure out what's going on, it was, I just like the foil of each other. Mm, yes, definitely, definitely. And even like the actors, which was, uh, Natasha Leone and Charlie Barnett had some good chemistry. Charlie Barnett, he did a very good job of like just articulating himself throughout the show. I really enjoyed him. Definitely. And by and by the way, at the beginning of the show, Alan does pop up in the background as Duddy, which is something mm. that happens. We referenced that later on. I was curious, did you happen to catch that detail when he shows up in the background? Like when did like did you remember that detail? Later on in the show, or no, I, okay, no, I didn't notice that. And you said that was in the first episode. Yes, yeah, first episode. I was wondering because when they referenced to that later on in the season, I actually had to take a moment to remember it. It, it didn't click into my brain immediately. I was like, wait, what happened? And what happened at the deli? And then I had to go back to the episode, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I remember this. So it just didn't come to me immediately. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yes, when he's at the deli having a a good little detail. Yeah. At Daddy having a, a rough night, yes, and and then and then Nadia. There are also a couple. There are also a few a few other supporting characters. So there's so for example, there's John Reyes, who is a real estate agent, and Nadia's ex-boyfriend's currently in the process mm-hmm. of divorcing his wife, and he's played by Yul Vasquez. Oh, also Lizzie, who's also part of Maxine and Nadia's friends group, played by Rebecca Henderson. She's the one who helped Maxine design the 
well, it was it was Maxine who designed the bathroom door, and Lizzie ended up building it. And by the way, that back, mm. that bathroom door, kudos to that bathroom door. I really love that. It looks like when I saw it, it looks like a rip through the fabric of time and space. That's the cool thing about it is that, you know, they're always coming back to it. It's kind of its own character. And so very cool design of it. Yes, definitely adds to the slightly sci-fi, you know, paranormal mood of the show. And that's something that I did enjoy about it is that it felt sci-fi, but not overtly like in your face about it. Yeah, that, it, it had sci-fi elements, but it was very much grounded, low-key, yeah. Yeah, even like the lighting, like even the lighting in the rest of Maxine, Maxine's apartment too, added to that mood. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Mike Kershaw, played by Jeremy Bob, a college literature professor who Nadia runs into at the beginning of the show and ends up sleeping with him. He's a character who pops up later in the show for reasons. And <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then Nadia gets into a time loop and is trying to figure out how to escape it. There's one point where she says, this is like a game. I'm Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, I got to chuckle out of that one because I do enjoy that movie. It's Me too. Adventure. Me too. It was, it's not talked about enough. Oh yeah, I feel like it is somewhat underrated surprise movie, which is mm-hmm. weird because it's like a David Fincher movie, and it's got Michael Douglas, yeah, and it's like oh, such a mindfuck of a movie. It is, but I really enjoy it. Definitely, definitely. Even though I do feel like the ending of that movie—that's my one criticism—is that I don't really like the ending. I feel like the ending cheapens the movie. Aside from that, lots of love for it, but mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about the ending. I haven't seen it in a few years. I need to rewatch it i would yeah i would say that i, w- I would definitely say that that's worth watching oh and then also ruth nadia's therapist played by elizabeth ashley and did you have among the supporting characters do you have any favorites with like maxine ruth lizzie john mike i would say the dude at the bodega um he was probably one oh of my for ron yes him yes that's right I- I love how cool and suave the deli guy is and like breaking up situations and just like his little one-liners and quips that he has. He was a great little comedic relief in the show. That's right. Yeah. He's at the deli. He's just at the desk doing stuff as all of this crap is happening around him. Yeah. And he kind of knows amazing. everyone tangentially that's like walking in there. And so it's kind of like helps connect everyone to everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did he's you using... have... Oh, for me? Yeah. Of the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. I feel like, ooh, I want to, I feel like I'm leaning towards, like I haven't, I haven't made a concrete decision quite yet, but I feel like I'm definitely leaning towards Ruth. I really like the, uh, really like her character, just kind of like how she is just, she is this guardian figure for Nadia, how she's looking after her and taking care of her, stepping in for Nadia's mom's shoes, stepping into her shoes, Lenora, and Lenora is a character in, in the show as well. More prominent in season two, but she's also in mm-hmm. a, a bit of her in season one as well. Played by Chloe Savini. Yeah, a bit of a guest role, you would say. Guest role, yes. And then, yes, yeah, again, season two, more prominent. Also nice to see Chloe Savini pop up in this, too. That was a bit of a jump. Yeah, I was like... Uh, and then season two, season two ends up taking Ruth down more of a assassinating arc, a depressing arc, which did get some emotions out of me. I was really appreciating how she was looking after, looking after Nadia. I really liked that. I feel like there's a, a warm connection between Nadia and Ruth. 
kind of like a mother-daughter ask dynamic. Oh, yeah. Season two was very, I don't want to say confusing, but it was like hard to interpret what was the past, what was the present, right. when the shift was happening. Right. And just like you said earlier, you're there for the ride and you have to, you know, be very attentive to what's going true, on. True, true. So I feel like I feel like it's a good time to talk about Alan now, bring him in, because he does come into the show halfway through the first season. And it's funny because he's actually introduced in his own bathroom to align with Nadia. And we've, mm-hmm. we've got his details, like, like the fly. The fly is something that always pops up. And we've got, the, we've got the music playing. Everything's very clean and tidy. He goes up, he goes to his bag. He's packing up his bag, his suitcase. He's very much the opposite of her, where it's like clean, tidy, obviously she's not going to want to get married anytime soon. And then there's the whole episode where he's trying to figure yes, out Beatrice. how he's going like, to propose. Or Beatrice, yes. Which, by the way, a piano concerto number four is what plays whenever mm. he goes back to the bathroom. Gotcha. So we have that. It's like, even that's like a, its own alarm clock there. Gotta get up. Piano concerto number four. But Alan, so what do you think about, about him, his character? I really liked him because he just brought something new because I think before he was introduced, it was, okay, she's trying to learn how to get out of the loop. She, or she's dying multiple times and everything. And then this new piece of the puzzle is put into the fray. And so then we get to see his perspective and then we get to see how they work together and everything. And he's very much like analytical. He's very much like rule follower. And she's like, I'm, I'm, we're going to do this. And he's like, but, 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 but. And so. I, I like their dynamic, and then by season two, they're like friends and everything, and it's like, oh, this is my buddy, you know. Yes. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me, me too, me too. And and Alan also has stuff with his girlfriend, with Beatrice, happening because he wants to propose to her, and he even has the engagement ring, but she's just not. She she doesn't want to commit to him. She just she just isn't doesn't fully love him like that anymore. And in fact, is cheating on him. And you find out that mm. she is cheating on him with Mike, the college professor who we had met earlier, with whom Nadia has left. She, and she's a she's this grad student, which is like yeah, the, that's kind of a sticky situation. Yeah, but very it's sketchy. Like unheard of, but it's just oh yeah, it's it's. And um, if I call correctly, didn't he sleep? Wasn't wasn't he with another grad student too? I think that's name drop too when like they when he barges in and they're arguing together and it's just like a it's a blinking you'll miss it type of thing but yeah you're right oh my god Mike wild stuff yeah and Alan it's funny because both Alan and Nadia are definitely dealing with some with some psychological emotional baggage with Nadia, yeah, because with Nadia, it's her dealing with her mom, and and she also has an eating disorder too, which she pins the blame for that on her mom. And then for Alan, he's dealing with depression. I don't think did they ever outright say that. I feel like it was more implied depression, and not. I think it's more self-esteem issues that he's dealing with because when you first meet him, it's like I can conquer today. I am enough, like type of stuff that he's telling himself or listening to. Right, he's got like. He's got the echo sort of machine telling him, you know, he's beautiful, he's loved, deserves to be loved, he's in control. Yeah, stuff like that. And so they're both battling these little inner demons or these little things that they're trying to get over. And so 
that's also i think with them meeting each other and working together it's a good thing for them definitely yeah definitely i love the moment when nadia is trying to track down adam and she goes to that jewelry store and does this little desk sign that says you can leave a yep review online and get five percent off your purchase and it's just like it's just funny how they say yep like you know it's so so clearly so clearly it's off brand yelp yeah, that, that that was a good laugh for me when I saw that. Yeah, just cut out the owls. <laughs> and Nadia and Alan were so good. When they, when they meet up, they're trying to figure out what's going on. There's one point where Nadia theorizes to Alan that the bathroom door design is actually a dense gravitational field that's gaining consciousness and is now deliberately a fucking was the two time loopers. Yeah, it was a good little connection. I was like, oh, now we're getting to the sci-fi elements of yes, this. Yes, yes. And then Alan also thought, oh, maybe, maybe this is a punishment from the universe. And when you're trying to figure this stuff out, do you have any particular theories as to what was happening? Not really. I was just there for the ride. I was just like, okay, I'm more curious than anything. I wasn't really having any theories because they didn't really hint at anything. And because of how we mentioned that's very much grounded in reality, like this is like a New York that we're watching, it, it was hard for me to really make a theory. Mm. Okay, okay. I mean, maybe it could be, you know, the world punishing Nadia, but for Alan, mm, that's a tough sell. Interesting, interesting, okay. Because I, I was wondering if because I wasn't coming up with any specific series, per se, about this, but something that I did catch on to was the end of episode four. Because that was the episode where the beta fish, his beta fish, were gone from the tank. And mm-hmm. they just disappeared. And I was just like, oh, okay, why did that happen? And also earlier, he said, if there are two, he has that quote where he was like, he said, if there are two, one kills the other. And I guess I was thinking, like, wait, are he and Nadia the fish? Is the disappearance of the fish supposed to represent, like, Nadia and Alan, maybe, maybe they'll die soon if they don't find a way to escape this time loop? Mm-hmm. I like that theory. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure that out, then. Oh, Horse. We haven't, we haven't mentioned Horse yet. He was also a fun character, a homeless guy, who Nadia runs into, and she, and, he, and he always wants to give her a haircut. He, he was a very funny character. Lots of good moments and interactions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, someone, just like a, a street guy who Nadia runs into sometimes, and and one, one of her deaths, one of, one, of, one of her time loop deaths was actually involved with him when she had slept outside of him, trying to get, mm-hmm. a, get under the, the blanket or the sleeping bag or whatever. But she ended up dying from the cold. That was one of her time loop deaths. Also nice when she, when she was uh, guarding him, when she was guarding him at the mm-hmm. homeless shelter to protect his shoes. And so, someone, someone tried to steal his shoes. Yeah, like, who would do that? It's terrible. I know that. Let the guy have his shoes. Mm-hmm. And did you have any particular favorite deaths? As we're going through the time loops, um, like any that was particularly amusing, entertaining. I think um, the car wreck one was pretty good. Like that's a classic. What else? Um, didn't she have one of like liver failure or something, or like something involving organs? Or am I uh, misremembering something? I don't know about. I don't. I don't recall that for her. But Alan, Alan did get maced by that woman out in the street. Remember. 
which then killed him by inducing an asthma attack. That, uh, yeah, that was a great one. I like that one. It's, it's funny because I was actually going to list that as a favorite of mine as well. It's like one of, one okay. of the more memorable deaths. <laughs> no, yeah, that was a good one. I also found the stairs when... Uh, yeah, and then she's all padded up and all the gear and everything, and so she's having to go down, like... And she's like, no, I don't do stairs. They even do it a few times, but she falls down the stairs. She tries to go, go down, but then it's like, oh, she breaks her neck. Like, all these different attempts go down the stairs. And even, like, this one point where she topples, like, she just completely, like, like because most of the falls down the stairs, she just tumbles down the steps. But one at, on one attempt, she just falls over the railing completely. And just goes mm-hmm. all the way. And so she's like, I'm going to take the, the fire escape. <laughs> Oh, it's like the, the fire escape, and Maxine is like, "Wait, I have a fire escape." Mm-hmm. She wasn't even aware. And she wasn't even aware that her own yeah, place had a fire. She could make her Airbnb price go up or something like that. <laughs> she wasn't even aware that her own place had a fire escape. <laughs> uh, that was fun. Uh, I would say one death that was not really fun that was quite tragic was when Nadia got shot by Ruth, who mistook her for a burglar. Mm, yeah, that. That was that, a not so good one. That was definitely a sad, a sad dash. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the theory? Because there's one point where Nadia theorizes that maybe everyone else still exists in the loops that she and Adam have died in. And do you what do you think about that theory? Because they never they never confirm or deny that. So do you what do you think? That they died in the loop? That these loops keep going after they die. It's not like, oh, these loops just close down once they die. Like, she was like, oh, wait, what if the loops just keep extending onwards? Life just keeps going on after we die, and we just keep getting shunted off into new loops. I kind of like that theory that, like, they all just keep on branching off and branching off into new theoretical and fictional things. Yeah, I like that, too. I like that, too. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. It makes it more daunting that way to think that, oh, <laughs> I, when you die in these time loops, you're kicking off one more of these branches. The multiverse. <laughs> the multiverse of Russian doll. Yeah. And and all these people like grieving you when you die. And all these different branches. But she points out, she's like, oh, what, what, if, we're, what if we're leaving behind all these people who are feeling sorrow for us? Ugh. And then like all the people that start like disappearing and everything. Yes, it progresses to that point where people are, were just disappearing. And again, that's why it was like mm-hmm. fish. Remember, it calls back to the fish, the debate of fish dying, or not, not dying, but disappearing. Yeah. And that was all, that, that was like, whoa, what, okay, what's happening here? See, when it got to, towards the end of season one, I feel like that's where it was like, oh, wait, you're putting in more of the twists and turns here. It's like, wait, like, what's happening? What new, what, what new tweaks are you putting on the time loop formula? That's all. And, mm-hmm. and also, what I said earlier about Nadia being like, oh, I don't want to leave behind so many people who are just grieving for us in these time loops. That's why she turned down the chance to meet John's daughter. Because I remember John, she wanted to meet his daughter. She was like, hey, I want to meet your kid. But then she turned down that opportunity because she doesn't want to want his kid to grieve her when she eventually dies in this time loop. Mm-hmm. And which I which I, I appreciate that. Yeah, very sentimental there. Yes. What do you think? What do you think about John in particular? I kind of liked him, um, how in the first few episodes he was like, you don't talk to me for six months and then like you need me all of a sudden. And he was very real and I would say another good foil for her spry and bombastic energy that Nadia had. 
yeah, I feel like to to reflect how she how she is capable of being pretty selfish, focusing mm-hmm. on, on her own life, not really devoting much energy to other people. And I feel like he was he was sh- he was showing that through their dynamic, which I I appreciate that. I thought the relationship between her and Mike, the professor, I thought they were pretty funny. Yeah, they, they had some amazing moments. And wasn't it, it was in the first episode where after they slept together, and they had a talk, like the shot they had right after they slept together was funny, where she was like, I don't know why anal play is so taboo for straight males. Mm-hmm. And this leads to her like giving some deep talk, like sounding all smart, and she ends up getting hot for that. Because how intelligent he sounds. Yeah, and it's like he's, he's like a professor or something. <gasps> yeah, that's, that was funny. That was funny. I also re- really found it amusing how Nadia kept saying a uh, cockroach. Remember, there's a whole talk where Maxine, where Maxine, the argument where Maxine was calling her a cockroach because she can eat anything, live anywhere, and doesn't die easily. And mm-hmm. Nadia would would say cockroach, cockroach. Yeah, um, she would pronounce it, enunciate it very. Uh... In a very particular way. Yeah, I like that. Oh, another funny death. Alan and Nadia, which is right when Alan confirms to her to scary about them dying simultaneously. When one dies, the other dies too. So the time loops close at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's right before an AC just falls out a window, just a apartment window, and crashes down right on top of them. And that's, wait, and that's how the episode ends too, that particular episode. That was a good ending to that episode, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Felt very Looney Tunes like. Yeah, that was funny. Even uh, also maybe a bit of Looney Tunes stuff with Nadia when she stabs a pen into Adam's thigh to confirm they're not the same person. Like, hey, do I feel pain when you feel pain? <laughs> and then the Krugerrand. That's something that's like a smaller part of season one, but it has become a bigger part of the plot in season two. But basically, like Nadia's grandparents, who were Holocaust survivors, had acquired 150 these precious gold coins mm-hmm. and her mom spent most of them except for the one that Nadia now wears around her neck. Just one little Kruger band that she keeps with her. And again, smaller part of season one, but it's introduced and it gets much more prominent in season two, the Kruger bands. And then towards the end of season one, we get the introduction to Lenora and that's mom. Yeah, and then it starts to get less, I don't want to say fun, but then it gets more deep. Oh, it definitely, it definitely gets bleaker, darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of the mom? And, and like, you know, we, got, we also saw young Nadia with a flashback. Definitely not a great relationship. Dysfunctional family. Yeah, dysfunctional family. But definitely the hair runs in the family. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate, I feel like, I feel like your mom was well written. I feel like the, the show didn't, it didn't fall prey to stereotyping. Like, because sometimes when you, when you get, get into the depictions of parents, I feel like particularly moms, it can get stereotypical or cringy or like, oh, I've seen these shows before. It feels very cliched. But I feel like, this, but I, th- I think that this is a good job with fleshing out the mom not fashioning her off as a stereotype, giving nuances to this human relationship between Nadia and Lenora, showing how, you know, the flaws in her characters and how Lenora wasn't, definitely wasn't the most caring mom or, like, what wasn't a mom who was able to provide a, a, a good, a healthy home for her daughter and was also dealing with, dealing with her own um, mental health struggles as well, kind of like with, with Nadia 
Anna Darden, mm-hmm. and I thought that she was well played by Chloe's Vinny. Yeah, I felt like everyone here had their little flaws and moments. No one was betrayed perfectly, and so it kind of shows how everyone is a little bit off. Yes, yes. And then so there's a point where Alan and Nadia were trying to figure out, trying to go back to the memories and trying to figure out what Alan's first death was. Because at first he's like, I can't remember. I can't remember what my first death was. But then he's able to remember it. And his first death was him jumping off the top of the building. When that was revealed, I was, that, that hit me. I, not like I was necessarily surprised. I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily surprised. Just because I feel, there were hints. I feel like it was like, oh, like, so all kind of like hints before. And they even, they even explicitly say that because I, even Beatrice is like, oh, I was afraid that if we split up, if I dumped him, then maybe he might have done something. So I feel like we got the hints here and there. So it wasn't all that surprised necessarily, but still, it was like, oh, this hits me. Yeah, it was, it felt like something was coming, but it felt nice. Yeah, it, it messes with the story and messes with that. So, so, you, so you feel satisfied with how it was portraying. Like, his, his mental health. Mm-hmm, yeah, because I felt like there was, like, a kind of a realization for his character getting over that, and with his, um... Almost like he'd been in, in denial, you say? Yeah, um, he sort of, like, got out of it, you could say. Definitely, definitely. Unlocking this... A painful memory. A painful memory of his. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then Nadia figures out that maybe these loops started because she and Alan didn't help each other out. Because then she, remember, mm-hmm. like, she thinks back and she's like, wait, I didn't help you at Delhi. Because he was at Delhi and he was all drunk. And I remember that was when he was having a rough night in regard to Beatrice and was dealing with her and her relationship. So she was getting drunk and he was having a rough night. And so that's why he was kind of like, he was all wasted. And she saw him, but didn't help him out. And then he didn't help her out on the streets to stop her from getting killed in the car crash. Again, on that original night when the time loop started. Mm-hmm. And perhaps just kicked off a bug in the system, an error that they need to repair. So could they go back to the deli at that time on the original night and try to fix this? And then one of the things they point out to be like, oh, things are getting messed up here. What's the orange? Nadia gets that orange and it's rotting on the outside, but then right on the inside when she cuts into it. Yeah, that was a good little demonstration of the whole situation going down. Yeah, reality getting uh, off kilter. Also, when she starts having the visions of her young self and dying from heart attacks. Mm-hmm, that was very trippy. A little bit. And then even having having a, no- a nosebleed. That yeah. was like, that was what surprised me more. And I was like, oh, this is disturbing. Like, oh, the child is bleeding out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And then Nadia getting the nosebleed. Oh my goodness. It was like the, almost taking a bit of a turn in the horror there. Oh, I would 100% believe it, say so. Oh my god. Adam also gets a nosebleed too. I would say, so Nadia and Lenora, I do think their relationship is introduced in season one. I do think that they're not given as much meat as I would have preferred for an element that is for a relationship that, you know, we talked about it throughout season one, but we only get the flashbacks like really towards the end of the show during the last couple episodes. And when I finished off season one, I felt kind of unsatisfied with that because I was like, oh, like, I've been introduced to some facets of their relationship, but I wanted more. I felt like it wasn't explored enough. Funnily enough, that complaint was pretty much resolved in season two, because then season two really dives into into Nadia and her mom's relationship. Yeah, it really, like, because 
that just goes a lot into their relationship and who they are and everything unpacking it so if you didn't think you didn't you didn't get in season one you really get in season two people what about you did you have any particular like were you satisfied with with the depiction of your dynamic in season one or were you left wanting for more of of your relationship i was pretty satisfied with their dynamic and uh or like the depiction of the two of them in season one it felt pretty hard but it it was believable in that sense Mm. Okay, I get, I, I got that, I got that. What about you? I, again, like, you know, like I said before, like, it was somewhat unsatisfying. Again, season one specifically, towards end of season one, and then to the point where we really get any sort of resolution, quote-unquote, for the dynamic meet in season one is when, is, it, is, it, is at the end of season, is at the end of episode seven. And at the end of that, that's when Nadia meets up with John's daughter, apparently. And gives her that book, remember Emily of New Moon? But then the daughter is actually young Nadia here. And then Nadia pukes up blood. And that was another horrifying scene to watch, by the way. Another turn in horror. When it was like, yeah, pukes up blood. Ooh. And this little child is not reacting. And then Nadia removes a big shot of glass from her mouth. Ugh. As like a callback to Lenora smashing the mirrors in one of the flashbacks. Smashing mm-hmm. up mirrors. And young Nadia tells adult Nadia, are you ready to let her die? This is the day we get free. I feel like that, that is the point where Nadia is able to, you know, jump out of the time loop. Or at least get closer to, to 40 escaping things. Because even earlier she says, like, she believes maybe her past self is lost, trapped between the past and present. Since every time she sees her young Nadia, that's when she dies, adult Nadia. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like that's the point where the show gives us a bit of closure to Nadia and her mom's relationship. And then episode eight, the final episode, that's when we go into focusing on Nadia and Alan. But still, like, you know, it would have, like, mm-hmm. just a bit more me satisfy me if I was only able to watch season one. But again, we still, we got much more of that in season two, which I appreciate. And then episode eight. So how do you think the, the season one wrapped up in this episode eight as we're focusing on Nadia and, and Alan? Well, I thought it was pretty good since they were able to successfully, you know, cause the loops to be merged or ended and for them to kind of resolve things between themselves and prevent their deaths and everything. And I felt like it was wrapped up nicely and, you know, we were able to just understand everything between each other. Yeah, me me too, me too. I was shocked, I must say, when it looked like initially... They have both fixed everything because not only did Nadia was Nadia getting a bit of closure with her mom, Alan was also getting closure on his own side with Beatrice, with letting her go, breaking up so that letting her go, and she was getting closure on that end. So it seemed like, oh, okay, so they get closure. It's always like that, isn't it? With time loop stuff. Usually the time loop stories are kind of like that, but it's like, oh, the characters have to grow in some way. Maybe they start out shitty at the beginning. And then along the way, they're going to pass a journey and then evolve. And then at some point, they'll be able to fix everything. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking that's what, what was happening here. But then we realized, oh, wait, they're on separate timelines. So we've got Alpha Nadia on one timeline interacting with Beta Alan, and then Alpha Alan interacting with Beta Nadia. And I'm using Alpha and Beta mm-hmm. as references because I've always had an article. I was reading an article about the ending, and it did like use Alpha and Beta to help differentiate, which I think is helpful. Mm-hmm. 
and it was it was funny seeing them react and be like oh, i don't know this guy or who are you crazy person you know when oh yeah he's like saying this. i like I, I like the split screen there's like there's like the split screen visual for that mm-hmm. when it has like when it shows both timelines on the split screen i appreciated that visually I should also comment on how the episode starts. I like how the opening shows both Nadia and Adam's bathrooms at once. Just even a point where it had, at the beginning of episode 8, both of the songs playing simultaneously. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically they're, they're going on their own timelines, and they each of them tries to connect with the other person, they, and they eventually do just that. There was a point where it looked like Beta Allen had killed himself in Alpha and Nadia's timeline. But he didn't. But it did look like that for a bit. And I found it to be really touching. She asked, would he be happy if he doesn't jump? And she's like, I can't promise that. I can't guarantee he'll be happy. But at least he won't be alone. Yeah, that was a very sweet and touching thing because yeah, both of them were authentic. very unsure people, but they have that connection now. Definitely, yeah. Just, just because, you know, mm-hmm. you can't ever guarantee your way in life, happiness in life. Life is like, life is one big force that just throws a whole bunch of shit in your, in your way. Random shit. You can't predict it. Mm-hmm. But at least in this specific situation, Nadia can just assure Alan, hey, I'll just, I'll be here. That's the one constant. I'll be here with you. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really, really love that. I also like how the relationship is never really romantic, despite the fact that they did sleep together one time. But that was just kind of like a, just doing it for fuck's sake, you know, just like whatever. And aside from that, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a romantic relationship, a romantic or sexual relationship, which I, I like that. Just like, you know, this nice little companionship between them. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yes. And then and when the episode ends, we got the split screen of Alan and Nadia in both timelines. And they both encountered a parade of, of people, a parade of homeless people, right? Including Horace. Horace is part mm-hmm. of it. And all of these, like, these, these big decorations, these huge sculptures and masks. It was really fun to watch that parade. And, and I must say, so the way that set up, the first thing I assumed was that we were in the Alpha Nadia's timeline in those final moments. Do you notice that? Because the way that the camera sets up is that they're both going towards the parade, and then it's split up to show, like, both sides. And then I thought mm-hmm. it was flipping around to show just Alpha Nadia's timeline. And also, I must say, I hadn't noticed the two beta Nadias passing by her. Do you notice that? Yeah, a bit of, like, similarity in between the two. Yes, two beta Nadias passing by, so one alpha Nadia in the middle. I hadn't noticed that at first until, mm-hmm. I, until I had to rewatch that specific ending. But going through an article here. Okay, as viewers were able to follow this with the help of a split screen, and the fact that the original Alan is wearing a red scarf on his side and none on the other, and the original Nadia is in a white shirt on her side and a black on the other, this leads to the dissolution of the split screen during a parade both pairs walk into with only red scarf Alan and white shirt Nadia and combined shot. And when the split screen is gone, you also see two other versions of Nadia walk past her in the other direction. And so what do you think it happens when this episode ended? So emerging of the timeline, he said? Yeah, I, I believe that the two timelines merged together. Yes. And it kind of closed the loops and everything. Yes. Okay, it was interesting because I, initially I thought it was just f- focusing on one timeline, specifically on Alpha mm-hmm. Nadia's timeline. And I thought it was that at first. And then I was looking this up, and there was a whole bunch of series about this back when this first came out. There were some viewers who thought that both versions of Adam and Nadia fused into one version and one timeline. 
other thought we were looking at the prime versions of like the alpha versions of both characters and the alternate versions were together in a timeline, in a different timeline that wasn't being shown to us. And then other viewers, more viewers thought maybe only the split screen was gone and we were just following one of the pairs and had left the other pair behind. A whole bunch of theorizing, a whole bunch of theorizing. And I thought we were just following one pair now. That's what I thought, following one pair, leaving the other pair behind. Although that does get confirmed. That does get confirmed in season two. They're like, oh, we're just following. Uh, what, do, you, do, you, do you feel like it was confirmed in season two? Any of those theories? Like, are we following were both timelines merged or was it something else? I think it's that both timelines merge. Okay, interesting, interesting. That That's just how I feel, because with it closing, I don't think we're just following one. I think it's just one that we're, or both of them closed, I guess. And if both of them closed, then they merge together. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Well, that is season one. Season one of Russian Dog, which, again, I found to be very satisfying. I was really happy at the end that Nadia and Adam were able to remain together. In this timeline, very satisfying way to end uh, the season. And before getting to mm-hmm. season two, do you have any any more additional thoughts on season one? I really enjoyed it. Good, uh, good little season of television. Nice, nice. So season one, with that being discussed, then season two, we have season two, which takes place four years after the events of the first season. Now this, this is the season that, as I said before, gets more ambitious. It goes into just full-on time travel, not just time loops, but time travel. And this season, so what do you think about the season, you know, just generally? It was, a, I feel like, personally, a lot more wilder than season one. There was Absolutely. just a lot going on when we're talking about, like, characters and backstories and everything. And it was a little bit hard to follow at moments. And, yeah, there was just a lot going on with it. Yeah, because in season two... Basically what's happening in this in this season two is that she is able to find a way to time travel by using the subway. So she like she takes this train and is able to travel back into the past. And when she does that, travels in, into the past, she ends up doing it, traveling to the past and her mom's body as Lenora. With disabilities to travel into the past, she ends up trying to fix things with her family history. Because the family remember her so this is where the Krugerrands come back in. Because remember, her mom, her mom lost the Krugerrands. And Nadia is, is like, well, if I could get the Krugerrands back, that would fix everything. It would change family history, change my life in turn. So what if I can go back into the past, recover the Krugerrands, and put them in a safe place, mm-hmm. get the money back into the family. And so she tries yeah. to do that. But then see, and I thought this might happen. I thought this might happen. What she actually does ends up just creating a causality loop because in her attempts to get the money back she ends up just coming back around to the place where she gets the Krugerrands for the family and just creates the whole circle where she gets the Krugerrands but then her mom is put in a position where her mom will end up just selling off Krugerrands anyways and keeping just the mm-hmm. one and I thought that might happen early on in season two I was like oh because you know it's a time travel cliche I thought it might happen and it did but like, did that pop into your head? Did you predict that, or no? No, I wasn't able to predict that, and I probably should have, but, because, with the character, probably would have happened, but... Yeah, it's just, and it's funny because, like, the name of this show is Russell Doll, and I even looked mm-hmm. up, you know, like, the meaning of the show. It was Amy Porter who came out with, with the name, and, and Natasha Leone 
talk about how she really took that title to heart and that title representing representing just like going through the layers of your soul because the Russian doll is made up of several dolls. You open one, there's another doll, open that one, there's another doll, and you keep doing it over and over again until you get all the way to the solid core, the doll at the center of this. And yeah. that's part of the show, the seems for this for this narrative of just going through all of these layers, unpacking the layers of Nadia, of her mom, unpacking their relationships. Even like unpacking, I feel like unpacking Alan too. Just going through the layers of these characters. Mm-hmm. And so now that one's in season two, what do you think about Nadia and her mom? How the dynamic is portrayed here. Which again, has much more meat compared to season one. Yeah, because instead of it being like one, one and a half episodes, it's really delved into she's really living in her body and practically experiences birthing her and everything, um, which was a weird <gasps> scene in itself, yeah. Oh my god, that's right, and the, and the subway, giving, just give, giving <laughs> birth to herself, and the subway, oh my god. It was, that, I was not expecting that No, no. Also, it was that, and also Nadia, uh, Nadia suffering from schizophrenia, because her mom, her mom had dealt with schizophrenia, so then that ended up taking over Nadia's mind. And so there's, there's this whole trippy scene where it's like she gets taken to the psych ward and just like even the visuals of when she get when the doctor is talking to her and the room just like stretches out around them. Mm-hmm. And her mom and she's also able to talk to her mom. And her mom shows up, a vision of her mom shows up, she's talking with her and she also hallucinates the earwigs in her arm and she plucked out an earwig. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? It's very wild and emotional, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, especially like the earwake bit, especially because the earwake thing happened before I realized, oh, this is her mom's schizophrenia happening. So when the earwake mm-hmm. moment happened, I was like, wait, particularly, I was like, wait, what's happening? So this is going beyond time travel. Is there other sci-fi shenanigans here? But then I was like, oh, okay, it's her mom's schizophrenia that's having an impact on mm-hmm. her. <gasps> oh my god. But season two, like I said before, Season 1, not as much as the meat I wanted, but Season 2, learning about the dynamic more, and feeling for Minadia and, and the mom, and just, uh, like, you know, I, I've definitely dealt with my own dysfunctional family baggage, so it did, there were some moments where it was, uh, hit me a, a bit too personally, as it forced me to think about my own family baggage, and, mm-hmm. although I guess I wouldn't say to this extent, necessarily, but still, dysfunctional family baggage. And keeping their relationship convincing. And these similar characters, like, you know, Nadia and, and Nadia and Lenora definitely are fairly similar characters in their messiness. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we've also got, we've got Shez introduced in the season two. Just scuzzy boyfriend of Lenora's. Yeah, just like a kind of slimy kind of guy. Yeah, con, con yeah. guy. Played by Charlotte Copley. It was another actor who was like, oh, funny to see you pop up here. I've seen him a few times before. I feel like he always has a distinct presence. Yeah, his mustache definitely had a presence. The mustache! That's right, the mustache! Yeah, that was pretty yeah. funny. The voice, too. I feel like I, I always recognize his voice, even mm-hmm. if he's masking sort of the accent. I can hear the twinge in his voice. So, Alan. So, it's funny how Alan doesn't get introduced in season one till midway through, because season two. It's also like that. He doesn't get introduced until, again, midway through the season. Which, so there's something like yeah, I, I, wish we could. I do like that. I do like how that's aligned. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about Alan in season two here? 
he also has a mustache as well. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because of the gap in between that we get to see all the characters kind of grow and be a little bit more different. I guess you could say. Oh yeah, um, I mean after three years, but, you know, four years. Yeah, but I, I kind of wish we got more of him this season. I think it's interesting that you say that because I must say I actually do think Adam wasn't as big of a presence in season two until like mm-hmm. towards the end. Yes, definitely, but. Oddly enough, again, he's introduced in midway through for both season one and season two, but I feel like season one, yeah. definitely a bigger arc in season one. Mm-hmm. Whereas season two, there wasn't as much going like He had his stuff going on like he, because for him, he was also time-traveling. He followed Nadia's route and time-traveled. And for him, that took him to East Berlin. He turns into his own relative there and is getting to know some people, getting to know uh, Lenny. Mm-hmm. and their friend group they're trying to build a tunnel, carve out a tunnel underneath the Berlin Wall. But mm-hmm. I feel like even then it's like, I don't know, there's just, it didn't feel as much meat there for his character. He wasn't undergoing as much growth in season two. No. Well, season one. Season one compared to season two, he didn't have as much going on. But I mean, he did have that yeah. thing in the season finale with his grandmother. But... Yeah, see, mm-hmm. again... Towards the end, yes, definitely to meet at the end, but just not as much compared to season one, where he was dealing with, he was trying to let go of, of Beatrice, he was confronting Mike, and having to realize that, hey, Beatrice isn't cheating on him because she loves Mike. You know, Mike is just like a, a distraction for her. Mike is just there p- to point out the flaws in Alan and Beatrice's relationship. And so Alan had to get over that, you know, overcome that, and also was dealing with, you know, his mental health having to accept this overwhelming memory of experience of, hey, like, you know, he had committed suicide on the original night, and that was weighing over him. And just, like, there was so much stuff happening in season one, and season two just doesn't feel as meaty. Mm-hmm. He should I felt like he should have gotten more screen yeah. time. Oh, I-, I must say, though, when he was Agnes, that was his grandma in Berlin, mm-hmm. when he was Agnes, it really did uh, unnerve me, whenever those, those guys, and, uh... Yeah, when it was switch between those, those, those guys would keep catcalling Adam slash Agnes telling her to smile for them mm-hmm. and it's like oh, why mm-hmm. it's like you know normal n- normal men behavior but then it's like oh it does get more scarier later on when the, when the guys do turn a bit more menacing toward mm-hmm. Adam slash Agnes and like oh where's your ID yeah it was a bit scary yeah because yeah. that is a real thing where it's like oh mm-hmm. the men don't feel like they're being treated right by women if they don't get a smile or not treated politely, then uh, they could turn murderous, literally. Yeah. And then what about what about Ruth? What do you think about Ruth in the season two? Who again, like I said before, pretty depressing around her. She was able to bring a little bit levity between Nadia and the relationship of going between Nadia and her mother and everything. So it was good to have her in this season because of what was going on. Yeah. She was able to bring that in, yes. Even while just like things were getting pretty dark as her house was suffering, it comes to a point where there's even a moment in the subway at the end of the season when Nadia sees Maxine and Lizzie and ends up finding out like, oh wait, they're going off to the wake. They're going off to the funeral for Ruth. And Nadia finds out she wasn't even present at Ruth's deathbed. And she feels guilty about that because and Ruth had died. It's like, oh no. Ruth losing her. So of the two seasons, which do you 
prefer or enjoy more? Between the two, I still, I still really prefer season two. How is was able to be ambitious with the timey wimey stuff, just going through mm-hmm. the timey wimey layers and just going through Nadia and her mom's relationships. Nadia having to learn these lessons and just having to reconcile with her mom, get closer with her mom as she keeps going back, back and forth with these trips into her mom's form and realizing that, hey, trying to recover the crew grants won't solve anything. Again, the causality loop. You've got the present day situation now and you have to try to make the best of it. And, and especially that seventh and final episode, I really did enjoy that. How satisfying that was. Which, by the way, it's called Matryoshka. Wish mm-hmm. Matryoshka, that is another name for Russian dolls. Like, that is, that's a Russian doll. So I feel like it's very fitting for the final episode to be called Matryoshka. Yeah, just like, especially how that final episode wrapped up. What do you think of that final episode? How it wrapped up, and how, like, timey-wimey that particular episode gets. I, I think it was very much, like, timey-wimey crazy compared to the first one, and it just kind of, like, wraps up like that. I mean, there's a lot of, like, long shots towards the end of it, but we do get a sort of conclusion with it. I, I thought it was decent, and it was a con- it was a conclusion. And they're both alive, thankfully, at the end of the show. It isn't, isn't the sort of thing where, like, one of them dies or both of them dies. It's like, no, you know, Alan and Nadia, they're both still alive. And the trippiness, like, there were certain moments that were, like, I really appreciated certain moments. Like, this was at the, end of seven, uh, at the end of episode six. But when Nadia showed up with her baby form in Alan's bathroom, and then Alan showed up in Maxine's bathroom, and, like, that little switcheroo, Oh, the door, by the way, the door has a gun handle. I really like that design feature. Uh, that, was, that was very cool. The bathroom door. It's got a click. I love the little click built into it. But, yeah, how timey-wimey that got. We even had, like, Nadia's birthday party. And uh, the Jewish school was collapsing together. And mm-hmm. the chicken was raw. Even though the oven was smoking, it was cooking for the chicken as raw. That was fun. They were like, we're losing entropy here. Multiple roofs climbing the stairs. Multiple oatmeals. Uh, Nadia's cat. Oatmeal, I loved oatmeal, by the way. Oatmeal. Yeah, that was a good ongoing bit throughout uh, both seasons. Gotta find oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotta find it. Overall, you know, I liked it. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, also that trippy shit with the, the subway chains speeding toward Nadia and Alan. Also, when they were plummeting through a void and, and into these separate chambers and Alan meeting his grandma. Nadia returning her baby self to, to Lenora. And the subway train. That was very trippy, the whole baby stuff. <gasps> Nadia having a quick goodbye with young Ruth. Uh, and that's right, I, I forgot to mention Ruth. We got to spend some time with young Ruth in season two, which was really enjoyable. You know, get to know her before her old self, her elderly self. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I feel like that is Russian Doll. You know, I really love this show. Again, they're both alive. They both went through a whole journey. I also, did you notice how much, how much smoking there was? There were so many cigarettes in this, in this show. Yeah, but I think that's because Natasha Leone smokes in real life. Yes, so. yes. And <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's fitting that these final moments in the show have Nadia returning to that bathroom, Maxine's bathroom, with a cigarette in hand and looking into the mirror, just like looking directly at the viewer. And that was it. That was how the episode wrapped up, a.k.a. the whole show. Very fitting. Mm-hmm. Liked it. Well, Russian Doll, I again really enjoyed the show. Do you have any final thoughts to say about this show? 
Uh, I thought it was a good time, and Natasha Young killed it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, her mm-hmm. shiny bonnet really enjoyed the characters, and uh, the show, and I feel like, you know, definitely viewers, you know, or uh, I, listeners. I said viewers, like, you can see us, but no, listeners. Listeners, <laughs> if you didn't watch the show and you still listen to us talk about it on the podcast, I still feel like, go check it out still, because there's a lot of stuff that happens on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of little details. That we're not able to cover as when we're doing just more general breakdown of the series, but lots of lots of great details, lots of great characters to follow. So I definitely recommend just diving into it yourself. Uh, oh, before I forget, uh, Rosie O'Donnell has a secret cameo in this show as the chain announcer for every episode of mm-hmm. season two, and she popped into here because she and Leon had first met while working on 2008, Nora Ephron play Love, Loss, and What I Wore. And so mm-hmm. they've just been friends since then. And so that's the connection there. That's why she ended up popping into season two with this voice cameo. Did you see that Jamie Babbitt, director of But I'm a Cheerleader, directed some of these episodes? That's right. Yes, she did. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Which, mm-hmm. uh, great, great to see that. Great to see that. It's funny. I feel like... I'm but I'm able to find Jamie Babbitt hasn't she hasn't had more consistent work. Having something like But I'm a Cheerleader in your filmography, such an iconic movie in queer cinema, I feel like that would bump up a director, gives him a bigger launch pad, but other than that, she just hasn't really done much consistent work. Surprising. Let's see. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm just checking her work. Oh, she she has directed plenty of TV episodes. Not only Russian Doll, but also Gilmore Gold, Malcolm in the Middle. Nip and Tuck, The L Word, Silicon Valley, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, The Orville, and A League of Their Own. Oh, damn. I don't know if she directed episodes of A League of Their Own. You like that, don't you? Yes, I, 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 I've, I've recommended that show plenty of times on our Discord server. <laughs> oh, such a shame that it was cancelled. Thank you, Prime Video. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, okay, Rest of Doll. Any final thoughts on Rest of Doll? Good show. Nice, nice. I say that too, yes, good show. Well, we've been breaking that down for a while now, so I think it's time for us to move on to Good Word. That is the segment where each of us gets to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, anything we want. So, Thomas, what is your Good Word? I'm going to go with a movie that I recently saw. Um, Dream Scenario starring Nicolas Cage is going to be my Good Word. I recently saw that in the theater, um, but it should be streaming any day now. I feel hopefully, like, hopefully. yes, yes. Nicholas Cage plays like this nobody college professor, and then he starts popping up in people's dreams for no reason. And it's sort of the repercussions with that, whether it comes with mental illness or popularity, fame and stuff like that. And so it goes to certain places that you wouldn't think it would. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice, nice, yeah. I definitely want to see that sometime. I remember watching the trailer for that when the first trailer came out, and I was like, damn, like, this is an intriguing movie. I like the premise. I love Nicolas Cage, you know. He has such a fascinating filmography, doesn't he? Sometimes he'll do these absolutely crappy movies that drop on VOD, straight to VOD. And then other times he'll do mm-hmm. things like Pig or a or, or, or Dream Scenario or... Or the unbearable, the, uh, it's like a, wait, what, what, what? The unbearable weight of massive talent. Thank you. I was like, why can't I remember the whole title? But yes, the unbearable weight of massive talent. He has, he has such a very interesting filmography. 
I, I love that. And mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, same scenario. Definitely gotta check, check out myself soon. Yes. Yeah. As for my good word, I'm going with the freebie original rom com Puppy Love, which I must say, you may remember Tom. That when we did the episode of Meet the Parents, I actually brought this up because I mentioned how Greg Liana, the director of the original Meet the Parents, not the one who's Ben Stiller, but the original, original Meet the Parents, Greg Liana's director is one of the writers for Puppy Love, and I brought it up on that podcast. Well, now I'm bringing it back up again because Puppy Love is my good word, and uh, this was a movie that was so wild to watch. The premise on IMDb, obviously, that. After a disastrous first date, Nicole and Max vow to lose each other's numbers until their dogs find a love match. Hilariously mismatched, Nicole and Max are forced to become responsible co-parents, but end up finding love themselves. So uh, yeah, lots of dogs in this movie. The tagline for this movie is, One bone can change everything. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, uh, that is such a double entendre. And... Mm -hmm. The movie, again, it is bonkers. It is one of the weirder movies I've seen lately. But honestly, it was also pretty charming the way it's just so bizarre. It's a movie I will not soon forget. Let's say that. It's not forgettable. (laughs) It's pretty charming. It's it's very fluffy. It's it's fluffy. I do like the stars. I think think the stars have pretty good chemistry together. Grant Gustin and Lucy Hale. Uh, Grant Gustin in, in particular, I really love him. I, I'm surprised he hasn't been in more movies. I, maybe I'm biased just because I, I love him on The Flash, but I feel like he should be in more movies. Like, especially, especially after seeing Puppy Love, I'm like, damn, Grant Gustin, you could be a, a rom-com star easily. He's got the, mm-hmm. he's got the charm, he's got the good looks. Uh, just, yeah, Puppy Love, you know, again, it's on freebie, which is like, it's not a Netflix movie or a Hulu movie, it's a freebie movie. It's mm. funny. But yeah, I, ga- I gave it three stars on Letterboxd, and also clicked the heart for it. So yeah, Puppy Love. Again, if you want something bonkers and something that gave me some good laughs, uh, and, and quick too, I think it's like 90 minutes or something like that. Oh, oh, okay, an hour and 46 minutes. Okay, well, a bit longer than that, but a bit longer than ha- an hour and a half, but still, you know, it's a good movie. Also, not Grant Gustin's only dog movie. There's also Rescued by Ruby, which is on Netflix, and that's another movie where Grant Gustin is doing dog crap. Chasing his dream to join an elite canine unit, a state trooper partners with a fellow underdog, clever but naughty shelter pup Ruby. That's rescued by Ruby. Interesting. I haven't seen that yet, so I guess I'll have to see that sometime. Grand Gustin dogs. Ah, but yes. That is my good word. Puppy love. Just came out this year, this past year. Well, that is our good word segment. Our good words. We've done a whole episode on Russian dolls. So... Tom, I want to thank you so much for coming back on Two Cents Critic for this talk. And now you get to promote yourself, promote your socials. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at WY underscore Thomas um, or X. And you can find me on Letterbots at Thomas24 at on Letterbots. So. Nice, nice. As for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Two underscore Sense Critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter, GoodPods, StoryGraph, Leatherboxd, and TikTok at Arthur underscore at 18. You can find me on Goodreads at Arthur Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email 2 critic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at 2 And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast 
wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Good Pods, CastBox, all of those services. And make sure you do the ratings and reviews, especially because they really do help to bump us up for shots as podcasters, spread us to more, more listeners, more ears. And once again, Tom, thank you so much for coming back on. Such a blast. And again, you know, this was a good, a good excuse to finally check Rest of Doll off our watch list. Definitely was. Thank you, Arthur. Yay. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.